0: Year splitting before match point. Landa.
1: Jim turned back, and Purdue Setting up Peterson again. Block. Boilermakers do it! They survived the upset with a three-set run to win in five and advance to the Sweet 16 for the third consecutive year. The block by Purdue and the Boilermakers! The Dig City Podcast is presented by Franciscan Health Sports Medicine, inspiring health. Franciscan is the official medical services provider of Purdue Athletics. Welcome back to the Dig City Podcast. Corey Palmer alongside head coach Dave Shondell. Coach, uh, we are at the, at the end of the non-conference schedule. Nine and one, the Boilermakers finish up with, with sweeps last weekend over Northern Kentucky and Ball State. Um Sort of your overall impressions coming into the season, there were a lot of unknowns, mm-hmm. uh, at least from the outside in, and, and certainly from, from your vantage point, you'd seen the players, but you'd never seen them, a lot of them in competition for you before. Uh, did you get what you wanted out of the
0: non-conference slate? And more, I would say, Corey. I, I think that going into the non-conference with the 10 teams that we had on, on the schedule, nine and one was going to be a pretty tall order. But yet here we are are sitting at nine and one and that's a real compliment to our team that they pulled together and and found a way to, I think, outwork some other people and get organized and and believe in themselves and uh, play at a high level. Now, right now, our RPI is not as good as I thought it might be because a lot of these really good Mid-major programs that we played, people who were expected to win their conference tournaments, have really scheduled tough. So, and and this is just a comparison; it's not really fair, but it's like in high school. If you're a 1A or 2A team, you're going to play your whole non-conference against 4A. Well, that doesn't that helps you. It gets you, you know, it gets you ready. A lot of these, a lot of these um, mid-major or even you know smaller programs, they're only going to get one team in in their conference. So here's an opportunity for them to give great experiences to their players to go into bigger programs and bigger gyms and, and be challenged and compete. And so when they go back into their, their conference play, they're, they're much more ready. Mm-hmm. And so that's what a lot of these teams have done. I look at Northern Kentucky, a team that was picked to win the Horizon Conference and still might because they looked pretty good when they were in our gym uh, this past weekend. But I think they, they may have won Two or three matches um, in non-conference, so that doesn't help us right now. But when they get into the Horizon, and then I think they start to beat people, then their record goes from whether it's two and two and nine, pretty quickly to hopefully you know twenty-one and twelve or something along those lines. Mm. And then that those will help. And that's just a, a one team that I think is in that same category as Milwaukee, and Bradley, and you know a, a few other that we loyal of Chicago. That just scheduled out of their minds. They and Milwaukee yeah. both scheduled out of their minds, and as did Northern Kentucky. So I think at the end of the day, we're going to be fine with 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 RPI, especially now that we get into Big Ten play and we're playing all these teams that have lost very few matches. Northern Kentucky was exactly who I was thinking of when you were talking
1: about that because, you, you, like you said, they came in one and eight last weekend, yeah, yeah. And you guys made pretty quick work of them on Thursday. There it was. It was a little tight, yeah. you know, uh, for one of the three sets. But then come Friday, you know, they were playing a good Ball State team. Yeah. That was a bomber. Yeah. That was a great match. It went five, and Northern Kentucky pulled right. it out. And yeah. you could see, wow, there's, there's real quality here. It's, it's They're not, very athletic. They're yeah. very
0: fast. They've got some kids with really long arms. But all you got to do is look at their schedule. they played Missouri. they played, I think, maybe Louisville. they played Western Kentucky twice. They, they really went to bat against some, some people, and, and they've lost those. But I think that coach recognizes that we have to win our league. To, to get a bid so let's go out and play some people and I think they also get paid pretty well when they do that also so some programs can benefit financially uh, from going to some bigger schools especially if you're expected to win 20 plus matches so uh, but overall um, the RPI will be fine I thought that we we played above where most people would have expected this Purdue team to be and I, again that's a credit to our leadership and just our kids working hard and believing in, in this, the history of this program and, and doing their very best to make sure we were keeping our head above water as we headed into Big Ten play.
1: Mentioned uh, the the win over Northern Kentucky, the sweep over Ball State on Saturday afternoon as well. The great crowd in the Holloway Gym, and and they were treated to a, a really good match. Very competitive uh, within a couple points in set two, yeah. went went extra in set three before you guys were able to pull it out and really took a, a
0: comeback there in set three to do that. It was yeah. it was compelling. Well, you know, Ball State was a team that won thirty matches last year, including beating Michigan in the NCAA tournament. And um, and they really just fill one spot from a year ago, a left side hitting position. And I think that they're still trying to to get that figured out. Um, Nobody has really stepped up and gotten the job done at a high level. But they have everybody else back, and their ball control is good. And, and Kelly Miller, one of our former players, is doing a, a great job there. So no surprise that they made it made it tough on us when we played Ball State in the spring down in Indianapolis. They beat us. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, you know, again, they're, they're a good team with good talent, and they played really well against us. We beat them handily the first set, and uh, then they woke up and, and began to compete. And I thought that was great because they could have easily won sets two and three, but our kids were resilient, and they fought, and they battled. And, and as you said, it made it a lot of fun for the fans that were there and, and, and so happy with that crowd that we had because that's kind of what we expect here at at Purdue is to have – you know, a, a full end of, of students, you know, 300 and 400 students that are kind of leading the way for the rest of the fans. But it was a, it was a jam-packed crowd and I'm sure this Friday we'll have a similar arrangement when uh, Goldie the Gopher comes in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll talk about Minnesota and Iowa, the uh, the Big Ten lid lifter as it was this uh, this weekend coming up. But uh, you mentioned something there uh, against Ball State. You saw the resilience in your, in your mm-hmm. team in those close sets of two and three. That's been a recurring theme here early yeah. in the first month of the season. You've played a lot of two or three point sets, yeah. you know, uh, throughout the course of the last four weeks, and and far more than not, you guys are coming out on top in in those in those really dire, you know, tied at twenty
0: three situations. Um, yeah. Talk about that resilience a little. Well, bit. Well, I think winning breeds winning, you know, and even though. Not very many of these people were directly on the floor. I mean, clearly, Raven Colvin was on the floor a lot last year. Skimmerhorn, for a couple of rotations, was on the floor. And then you had the three headed Hydra, Chin, Ellis, and Cook, that were sharing one spot. But they were there, you know, and, and they, you know, they understand what this program is about. So I think that when we get into those, those matches, the understanding is, is that we're going to win. Mm -hmm. And we hope that will continue as we get into, you know, playing some really quality opponents, some of the best in the country here in the next few weeks. But uh, we talked at the very beginning of the season, I talk about it every year, that the difference between success in this program is how many close sets are you going to be able to win. And Eva Hudson brings some of that tenacity. Uh, I think Hannah Clayton, brings a, a personality on the floor that exudes others to play at a higher level, mm-hmm. if that makes any, any sense to you. Skimmerhorn has that. Um, and, and we just need more and more of that. That has to continue to grow, that competitiveness. And you know, I, I called it, talking to a reporter the other day, and I called it nastiness. You know, uh, All the things that Eva Hudson is bringing to our program, the ability to score points, ability to block, to pass, to defend, uh, served really well against Ball State, nothing is more important than the, the grit and the fight that, that she brings. And it's it's probably as high of a level in that area as anybody I've, I've had, at least in a long time, that I can remember that just competes like there's no tomorrow. And, and that will spread throughout your team. Eva Hudson uh, still leading the way on the team and
1: among the leaders uh, at, at the conference and national level, 4.8, 4.85 kills per set five and a half points per set. She's second on the team in aces. True freshman, just won her third Big Ten Freshman of the Week honor. Uh, yeah. Three out of four that have been given. Yeah. Uh, that's that's saying something in this league for sure. Just well, uh, continues Corey,
0: to- That's the good news and the bad news. Yeah. The good news is she's off to a great start. She's doing very well. Bad news is is that every team that we play from this point on is gonna be watching tape you know, all night long figuring out how they're going to defend a player of that ability. Um, and that means two things. One, it means Evie is challenged, which is good for her because she loves the challenge. Yeah. And she'll just continue to compete at the, at the highest level. And she's hard to stop. It's not like you're going to take you know, a line shot away from her and that's going to shut her down. Or you're going to take the inside shot and that's going to shut her down. She just has a lot of really high-level shots. The other thing is it opens the door for other people. If they're going to lean uh, towards Hudson, then that's going to leave Maddie Cook or Maddie Chin on the right side open. It's going to allow our middles, who are not as good, Against Ball State for whatever reason, um, to have some better looks as well. So, um, you know, teams will do what they will do, just like we do. You know, we go out, we try to take certain things away from certain players, and, and locate who their best people are, and try to negate what they can do. But if other people step up, it's going to be a problem. That's certainly. Uh,
1: it, it's going to be interesting, like you say, to see now that there's really good film mm-hmm. out there uh, for for Hudson if, of course we expect she'll continue to grow and continue to evolve mm-hmm. um a couple other players uh, on the roster that are really uh, sort of have caught your eye in recent weeks i know you mentioned you mentioned, uh, mentioned lords myers the other day at your press conference um really like what she's
0: doing for this club and that was monday and since then she's had the two best practices of her career that's great lords myers is a six foot three inch middle from alliance ohio over near cleveland that came in in her first year and had a, a, a leg issue that had to have surgery. She then redshirted the following year. So she's had two redshirt years, got COVID and then a, and then a medical redshirt year. And um, so she's virtually a freshman mm-hmm. and she has one of the best arms of any player we've, we've coached. And now she's starting to put it all together and she has been outstanding the last, uh, last two practices and really for the last week and it's just a look in her eye. A light bulb has gone on for her. And, um, and we knew it would be just a matter of time. Uh, sometimes it's when, when you see the door open well, the door hasn't necessarily, you know, blown open for her because we have two really good middles in there. Right. But she is nipping at their heels as we speak, and to have another person that can come in there when we need, maybe one of them's not playing very well, like on 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 whatever night it was, Saturday. Saturday. Yep. Um, you know, now we can we won't hesitate to make that change. Uh, but I think you know, with her ability level, with her, her length and her jumping ability, she's about a ten six, a, a touch jump toucher. Um, which is six inches above the you know the college basketball rim, yep. um, she gives us a little more presence size presence at the net than what maybe the others other, at least one of them brings for us. so really really bright um, star for us has been her in in practice and then I think I, um, we've talked about Rastovsky quite a bit. She's making yeah. progress, turning into a real player, just turning into somebody that we trust. Really
1: kind of thrown into the thrown into yeah. fire last week. Yeah, she's, had, she's had to go
0: in some matches yeah. and start and, and, and play really well for us, and, and she has not uh, let us down. I think I wanted to mention also Brielle Warren. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brielle, you know, we're trying to, to simulate different teams in practice, and she's kind of on that, on that practice side uh, quite a bit. But she is, boy, nobody takes practice more serious than she does. I mean, she is a great competitor. You know, talk about Eva being a great competitor. Brielle is the same way. She just fights and fights and fights. She's just cut off a pretty good cloth. And uh, so she's been, you know, been outstanding for us. And then uh, Lizzie Carr, who who we believe is definitely going to probably redshirt this year. Um, six foot six plays every bit that tall Yeah. and maybe our best blocker in the gym right now and there's times we think well if she's our best blocker why isn't she playing but we just know what she's going to be like for the four following years um, you don't want to just throw somebody in there as a blocking specialist in, in a couple of matches when you could get a whole fifth year, uh, where she would be, I think, an All-America-like level player. So really happy with, with the progress of, of some of our younger players and what they're bringing to the gym. It's important to see that growth you know, in practice,
1: for, for sure, with the younger players, because they're, they're not going to be able to get reps as much as you would like going forward in matches. So yeah. to be able to see that growth,
0: be able to make those... Yeah, and we really try to, to make our practices just like a high-level... Big Ten match. Um, you know, the competition is there. The, the, the purpose of, of what they're trying to accomplish is there. You know, we also have you know two or three practice guys in the mm-hmm. gym every week. And, and when you're playing teams like Minnesota, and I know we're going to get there eventually, um, but Minnesota has elite athletes. They have a, a six-foot, seven-inch middle. That's a freshman, uh, Calvin Booth's daughter, Calvin, played yep, at Minnesota yep. in, in hoops and was a, uh, a good player, played in the NBA for a while. Um, they've got a kid named um, Wooker, that is the number one recruit in this previous high school senior class. they got another kid named Landfair, who was the number one recruit two years ago. Um, so they're going to bring the athleticism and the size and the jumping ability and hitting at a high angle that some of these guys that we have uh, come in. we've got Kellen and Colin and the K-man, Kellen, okay? Colin Kellen and um, Owen. And okay. these guys could all be playing in the in the MIVA, the, the Midwest Volleyball Association at Ball State or Ohio State. Yeah. That's the level of athletes these guys are. So it's nice to have them in the gym giving us that experience. So this the competition we have, it's knockdown down drag-out with yeah. those guys in there. And they're taking some big shots at the ball. And then you had Carr and, and Lourdes and, and, and uh, Rostovsky and Brielle uh, playing at that level. Then we've also got good setting going on, you know. You've yeah. you got Balance Seafer and you've got, you know, Sydney Yim, and then you've also got our, our our volunteer coach, who was an All-American setter at Kansas that's in there setting. So mm-hmm. we're putting good opponents on the floor. I feel good about that. We The culture we've created is really, really good to develop our team. And I think that's one reason why year in and year out, we're putting a, a pretty decent product on the floor. Really getting that depth, you yeah. know, developed so that so that there is no real
1: yeah. Um, Uh, fall off from year to year. The Dig City Podcast is presented by Franciscan Health Sports Medicine, inspiring health. Franciscan is the official medical services provider of Purdue Athletics. Now back to the show. Let's go and talk about the Gophers. They come in five and three on the year. They are, well, they've been in the top 10 all season long. They're currently eighth. Their their three losses are high profile losses to, to Texas. Uh, they lost. Uh, let's see to Stanford and then Pepperdine. Uh, mm-hmm. All of those teams are in the top twenty as yeah. well, and they've got some great wins. Yeah. Uh, just I know it's it, traditionally one of the one of the best programs in the country. What uh, what in particular makes them
0: really tough? Well, the one thing that that they do is they run, and all, and always have, but I think they've actually sped their offense up a little bit this year. So it doesn't matter where they're setting the ball. The ball rarely gets above the antenna. I mean, they set a really quick ball to their pins, and then they've got these high-flying acts on the outside, you know, Landfair is four and probably touches 10'9". Uh, Wooker has only played two matches. She was out with an ankle injury for uh, most of the season, came in and played last weekend, and had I think 28 kills in two sets. And, uh, and she's also up around, I'm sure she's up around 10-6 with, with, with her jump. Wennis on the right side, a kid out of Texas, who I think is now a junior, um, was one of the top 10 returning players in the Big 10. And she, they moved her from the left to the right. So now all three all three pin hitters are, are really dangerous. And I told you about Booth in one middle spot. Mm-hmm. They got Hughesman, who played the most of the season last year. It's in the other spot. They've also got two transfers, Michigan State's best middle, and then a, a really good freshman middle that transferred out of Ohio State that are both there waiting in the wings for an opportunity to step in when something doesn't go well. And, and Hugh McCutcheon you know, gives them the nod to come into the game. And then their libero is a player that is highly respected. She's in her fifth year. And um, – so McGraw, CC McGraw is a really really tough player, and uh, so they have all that they need. Now, they, they are filling some voids. Obviously, Samadi got 50 percent of their sets a year right. ago. So now other people having to make that up. But they've got they've got the personnel to do that. I think that if you would ask Hugh, he'd probably say we're a little. He, their squad's still a little bit like ours. They're trying to figure some things out, and get into system and where everybody understands. Where they're supposed to flow in every situation, and where the ball should go, and things like that. Uh, but offensively, they're they're a juggernaut. <clears throat> They've also got a six foot three setter who's Schaff, like, yeah that's Melanie Shaftmaster from Newcastle, Indiana. Right. That was actually i think committed when she was about 12 years old if i remember the story right i think she's a little bit older than that but not much (laughs) much. and uh she uh you know opted to go to to minnesota and and play for hugh which is is not a bad decision by any stretch so uh but this is her she's a junior now and uh she uh delivers a really good ball she's playing better now than she has in any other year the kind of the, the 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 knock on her in some years past was she didn't set the middle very well. Okay. Well, she's worked pretty hard on that because she's set in the middle uh, at a pretty, pretty good level right now. And I think that, that offensively, she's the best offensive setter in our league. She will score points. She is, is going to be aggressive and score points. And again, like I said, she's 6'3", from the setting position, and no reason not to try to score points. And may be the easiest way to score in volleyball when you've got a setter that can do those things. Yeah. That match seven o'clock Friday night. Seven o'clock Friday night. Eight
1: o'clock. Eight o'clock Friday night. Uh, time change there for television. You guys will be live in the Big Ten Network uh, for that Friday night match against the Gophers. I know it's been sold out for weeks, and uh, you are expecting a fully lathered up crowd to yep. maybe make a difference.
0: Well, we need that crowd. We need we, we need those folks on that wall, as, I, as we like <laughs> we like to say. And and um, and this is one of those matches where our, it, it can make a difference. You know. Our gym is not the most enjoyable place for opponents to come, and it has to stay that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's tight. Our our fans are as close to the floor as they can possibly be, and uh, and, and if, as long as they're loud, and as long as they're coming with purpose, and they realize that they can be a factor, then you know, um, there's there's no rules. But let's just go. You know, one
1: really cool about <coughs> cool thing about volleyball being on television a lot now being you know virtually every match can be found somewhere uh, somebody like me gets to see a lot of other venues that we wouldn't yeah. necessarily get to see there's some great places out there great gyms new gyms volleyball specific yeah. you know built five six thousand yeah. seats that just don't look like great environments because yeah. it's kind of set back with well, are old basketball venues right
0: uh, you know this a holloway gym is designed for volleyball it's a volleyball-only facility with the exception of about four wrestling meets that come in there during the year our wrestling team has their own you know, practice mm-hmm. center. So they come in for their, their, their meets um, in our place. Otherwise, it's, it's 24 hours a day, uh, Purdue Volleyball. But um, you know, as a fan, you can go some places. You talk about all those matches on TV. Sometimes you might just want to stay home watch it on TV. Uh-huh. But <clears throat> when you're in Holloway, you're part of the action. There are some facilities, and and I give Wisconsin a lot of credit for playing that match in Cole Center, and it it was an electric atmosphere, but you could be sitting up in the upper deck and not really feel like you're a big part of the deal. You're watching watching it on a video board instead of, You come into Holloway Gym and it holds 2,500 people, the highest you're gonna be is 13 rows off the floor. Mm -hmm. So you're pretty much into the fray and uh, I think that's what people like. They will come into the gym, they're all coming in on floor level, and they're walking right by our players or the opposing team's players. They're thinking, holy cow, look at the size of that kid. Yeah. Uh, they're watching them jump. You know, they're hearing the sound of the ball, hand on the ball. So those are things that are pretty neat when you come to Holloway. One quick note, uh,
1: if you are coming to Holloway, Keep your head on a swivel because uh, some of those balls <laughs> might come into the crowd uh, during warmups for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so kind of like on the left field
0: line at Wrigley. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. You got to be aware. Mm-hmm. Um, turn around now. The Big Ten Conference did this quite a lot this year, where you're playing instead of uh, the more traditional Friday Saturday matches. It's going to be a Friday Sunday split uh on your weekend yeah, i'm not for, i'm for not sure
0: we even have one of those i don't think we do uh, either. they've done a really nice job of taking care of the athletes mm-hmm. not making them play and the coaches because it's really hard to play back-to-back it stresses the heck out of you. Sure. but now almost every match we play is either going to be a wednesday saturday or a friday sunday some combination of that so you've got a little bit more time to get your team ready and they're not jumping 50 times you know back-to-back nights or, or more than that for you know for that matter so no we have have a day in between before we go to Iowa and uh, Jim Barnes is the new head coach there he's a friend of mine he was did a great job at building Baylor's uh, program I talked about that the press conference I think he's the guy that brought in all those athletes that took Baylor to the final four he actually was dismissed from the job just before that and landed at Tulane Tulane won a conference championship and then he got this job at Iowa. He really wanted, it. I remember he called me, I was in Maryland taking a walk before our match with Maryland, <laughs> he called me, said, what, what do you think about this Iowa job? And I said, well, how many hours do you have in your day? Yeah. And uh, he, he decided, he had enough hours in the day to come into Iowa and, and build that program. And, and he's a mover and a shaker and uh, he's doing a nice job. And he doesn't have the kind of players there yet that I'm sure he imagines he's gonna have eventually because a lot of players left Iowa um, when things were going a little south, but he brought some players with him to Lane and got on the wire and got a few more players in there. They're going. They've been very, very competitive in non-conference. So we know going into Iowa, they play there at that uh, uh, hockey arena there off campus, yep. and uh, it's a nice place to play and uh, it's convenient for fans. So um, we're excited to go up there and, and, and meet Jim Barnes. Hawkeyes coming six and five on the
1: year. They've won their last three in a row. Um, Another person I'm sure who's looking forward to that trip is Hannah Clayton. She's uh, returning mm-hmm. to, to play the team, the program that, that, that she helped carry for the last four years.
0: Well, she, uh, you know, she had a very good career there, and I think she is at the tip top of the blocking stance for Iowa because she started, I think, every single match that she played there. And um, <clears throat> I know that they miss her because I'm going to miss her when she leaves here and she's only going to be here for one season. But she's been a, a wonderful addition to our team. And uh, I know she's looking forward to, to playing, uh, going back to Iowa. She loves loves her teammates. Um, you know, She just left because she felt like she would spent four years there and, and with the COVID year gives people an opportunity to go f- find a new experience mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and make something good of that. And, and she certainly is doing that here. Just really proud of her. Of course, uh, she's not the only
1: one, with, with local ties, Meg Renner gets to return and, and play
0: close to home. She's
1: probably yeah. from Cedar Rapids
0: area. She's very close, uh, you know, probably about half hour mm-hmm. uh, away from Iowa City. And, uh, you know, for three years, she's been watching us play Iowa and, and really hasn't been too too involved because Haley Bush has been running the show. Now, uh, you know, you got she'll have an opportunity to go out and really compete. And I'm sure she'll play really well against uh, her folks from the home state.
1: Minnesota eight o'clock Friday night, and then uh, trip to Iowa. That Iowa match is is noon. also being televised. It's a noon start. It's a noon start on no. ESPN, no. uh, ESPN two, I believe. So you can you can watch the the Boilermakers twice this weekend. Um, uh, if you can't make it out, if you don't already have your tickets to Holloway, uh, no. and if you are in the Iowa in the Coralville. Iowa yeah. City area. Got to be some Boilermakers there's, up there. Got to be some Boilermakers up there and I'm sure there's <laughs> tickets available for that match. Yeah. So, uh, Coach, we'll, we'll leave it there for this week. Good luck this weekend and we'll, we'll catch you down the road.
0: Appreciate it. We'll see you uh, on Friday night. Boiler up. Boiler up.